0: Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Keith Williams here with the Skill Stadium podcast, and I'm excited this evening to have Tori Rodriguez. Tori is a project manager and team lead for a construction company. And she grew up in Ballston Spa, New York, where she studied at the Fashion Institute of Technology. She studied and then went on to do went on to welding school in upstate New York. Started her career doing AutoCAD drafting at an architect firm in college, and she has uh, done a number of public art sculptures, something she's pretty passionate about. Her current job right now is to uh, she is a project construction manager, and something she enjoys doing during her free time is doing baking, cooking delicious foods in her free time, and definitely welding. I am excited to have Tori. Tori, welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast. How are you today?
1: Hey, Keith. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Excellent. So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how you can have a career, do your career and be able to do work that you're passionate and you enjoy. And Tori is really going to share her story and how she's been able to manage both of those things. And I think that's really important today to be able to work do the work you enjoy and also be able to pursue things that you're passionate about. Tori, can you tell us what kind of child you were growing up? Because I believe that that probably shaped you into the woman that you are today.
1: Yeah, uh, let's see. Kid, I was definitely a curious child. Never-ending questions for my parents and friends and the adults around me. It was always hardworking, always wanted to be, you know, the best in my class, didn't like getting answers wrong. And I've always been very creative. So I remember probably in kindergarten or first grade, I brought home a project that we had done on a computer to my parents and... I basically designed this thing that was like an army tank that also had helicopter propellers, but it could also go underwater with a snorkel. Cool. And while we can all say like this is very unrealistic, uh, my parents were pretty amazed that their six-year-old kid came up with uh, something to that scale of creativity.
0: That's amazing. Did you? Were you somebody who watched a lot of TV, or were you out playing with other kids? Because that, that that's that's pretty no, remarkable.
1: I didn't watch a lot of TV. I had. I had some cool friends who I grew up with that I'm still friends with and we were always just playing with, stuff. you know, our parents, I grew up in an era before smartphones and tablets.
0: Sure. So
1: if our parents got a new refrigerator and said, Hey, go play with the box, you know, we would <laughs> cut up the box and <laughs> make all sorts of things out of this cardboard box. We were never short on creativity, whatever they threw at us or kept us occupied. We, we managed I, I, very well without television.
0: Yeah, no, I can relate. I grew up in the uh, as a kid in the late 70s and early 80s and we were out playing with our friends and and we didn't come home till till the lights the night lights came on and we figured out ways to be <laughs> creative and so you grew up same type of environment from what you're describing. So, tell us for people who are not familiar, what does a project manager in construction do? Can you explain the job, please? Sure.
1: So I personally work for a subcontractor um, in suspended scaffolding and rigging material handling, and our primary projects are all down in New York City construction. So what we do, and I think a lot of project managers can attest to this, is that you know you're managing a course of construction. You are dealing with a client or a general contractor or somebody else on the job for concepts, schedule, and then you're overseeing the entire project from start to finish. Sometimes that includes design work. Sometimes it includes more budgeting. Other times it's, it's just straight coordination. So the one thing that I do like about my job is that I do a lot of critical thinking. So a lot of creativity, but on a much more technical level than my art, there's a lot of multitasking. None. So some days sit in front of a computer and design a system. And then the next day I might not be designing the system because I'm dealing with something on a job site. And that's where the, you know, the project coordination management really comes in.
0: And when I think of project management, I, I think of working with multiple stakeholders, different, different people, bringing them together. Are you having to be on site a lot now? Just because with the pandemic, we know that that's really changed up the way we work. So I would be curious, with is this the type of job where you have to be on site or are you doing a more work remote?
1: For me personally, I have not been on site since the pandemic started. A lot of times the questions and concerns that we may have, we can send a you know, tech there to take photos and dimensions to get whatever information we need. But typically, we do go to job sites. Uh, what we do, what I'm doing now, though, is a lot of our meetings can be held you know, through Zoom or GoToMeeting, and we are still getting the job done virtually. I think a lot of people in the industry are a little surprised because typically construction is very hands-on. Yes. So it's uh, kind of a new thing for some people, especially some of the older folks. So, but they're, they're getting it, and we're still getting the job done.
0: Excellent. Excellent. They're getting used to change. I mean, change is inevitable. Uh, I think we've all witnessed yeah. it this year in 2020. Yes. So can you tell us how you got into this line of work? What is the process? So if somebody wants to work in this profession, can you tell us how, how they'd go about doing it?
1: Sure. So- I guess my career path has not necessarily been a straight line. I've kind of bounced around industries from architecture to manufacturing to construction. And the one thing that I carried with me the whole way through was my skill of knowing AutoCAD and both, you know, 2D and 3D drafting has come in very handy across multiple industries. So that's kind of where I like what that's like the skill that got me to where I am. But there are definitely people who go to school specifically for, construction management or it's interesting because when I think about like my coworkers and my colleagues at work, what their backgrounds are in, I think only one or two of them have a background specifically in construction management. And some of the other ones have backgrounds in like architecture or physics. So because the field is very broad, your your background can be a little bit more broad. Sure, You don't have to go to school specifically for construction management. Obviously it might help you, but uh, that is not necessarily a make-or-break deal in the industry.
0: Okay. How so? How important is it to keep your skill sets up because you don't have to necessarily have this that experience? Is it important to keep to keep your skill sets up to have you know new certifications, a training? How important is continuous education in your field to to be competitive and and to be effective at your job?
1: Sure. So what I do. Kind of just keeping up with the programming, and every time that there's a new release of a program, getting yourself adapted to the minimal changes so that you can keep up with computer programs themselves, whether it's through AutoCAD or Procore. There, depending on where you are, too, now, like I work a lot with New York City construction, so sometimes knowing the code sure. is important. But that depends on where you are. If I were to work for a company in upstate New York, I obviously don't need to be adhering to New York City Department of Bu- Building standards. So I think a lot of it will depend on where you are and what specific industry you're in. Like for me in suspended scaffolding and material handling, I know a lot more about safety and for rigging than somebody on the same job site who might be doing electrical work. Sure. So you know what I mean? Like, but there are project managers for both what I do and what they do.
0: Excellent. It's almost like you have a niche, you have an area of expertise and you kind of stick with that area. And that's what allows you to be very effective sure. at your job is what you're saying.
1: Yes. But there are definitely bigger construction management companies and general contractors that have project managers that, you know, they do pretty much the same thing day in the day out. The okay. specifics and the, you know, little minutia might vary, but their general tasks are the same.
0: Okay. What, what do you think are the skill sets that it takes to be successful on this job? So, you know, maybe three things that one must have whether there be character traits or, or skills in order to be you know, successful at your job?
1: Sure. Well, multitasking is a must. You're typically not going, no matter where you are industry-wise, whether you're working for a subcontractor or a general contractor, you're probably not only working on one project at a time, um, especially if you're working for a sub. You must be able to work under pressure. A lot of times in construction, the deadlines are yesterday, and you're finding out about it today. So being able to keep up with client demands, again, you know, going back to where you are, bigger cities, it's more competitive, it's a little more cutthroat, you have to be able to handle that. But you also have to be flexible, site conditions can change. We I've designed plenty of systems where all of a sudden we get to site and we say, Oh, hey, there's a giant hole in the slab that we weren't anticipating it wasn't on the drawings. And we have to quickly think on our feet for a solution. So, you know, being proud of your work, but not being like so attached because you have to have that flexibility to just be quick and go with the flow.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. It's it's something that is ever-changing and you have to be ready for that change and be flexible too, is what I take away from Absolutely. what you just said. Excellent. Now, we have a skills gap and we obviously need more people in the skill trades. How do you think we can close that? How can, because this is going to affect us. And so I, I'm curious, What's your take on how we can close the skill gaps and get more young people to enter the skill trades?
1: Sure. I'll talk a bit more about like my welding side to this point here. Sure. I, you know, if you're in a skilled trade, just talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your friends' kids, talk about it with your nieces and nephews. I'm trying to reach a younger generation that still has an open mind, but also Talking about it with people your own age. I literally had a friend of mine. She's in her late 20s. She texted me yesterday and she said, Hey, can you talk to me more about welding? Because I I think I'm ready to switch careers. Wow. Her industry has been hit really hard with the pandemic. And now she's looking for something else. And she's come over to my shop and welded with me a couple of times and she's loved it. So
0: (laughs) So, sorry to interject her. Can Uh, you tell me what she does? Sure,
1: Sure. Yeah. She's a hairstylist. Okay.
0: All right. That's a big change are yeah. you seeing a lot of people doing that? Like, you know, obviously that is an industry that's definitely been affected, but you're out there working. What are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of people who are now because of the pandemic taking a little bit more interest? What's been your experience?
1: I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, her specifically, like I, I was excited for this, but um, it'll be interesting to see how many people are like forced to change. Yes. because their jobs are so impacted by this pandemic. And you know, it's it's one of those things where like I hope that more people take an interest in the trade because like you're saying, you know, we have a skills gap. So where they might not have a great I'm looking for like they might not feel confident in like the longevity of their career doing something in more of a customer service atmosphere because of covid you know now there there are industries that are looking for people of course it requires learning a new skill but the opportunity is there
0: yes i also think when you're in your late 20s as you described your friend it's a lot easier to change then than you know as you get a lot older i still believe that age shouldn't stop you from changing your careers but it is easier to make change in your late 20s. So there's, <laughs> Great. if there's ever a time, if you can't do it in your late 20s, uh, I don't know. That's a problem. You're not, <laughs> you know, that just, that would be a little odd. That would strike me as somebody who's already set in their ways in their 20s. We're, we're going to go through in this day and time, we're going to go through multiple careers. Another thing I, I, I think, and if you, I, I know we're, we're all watching the news in New York, a lot of restaurants and in California for indoor dining have been closed or the hours are being cut back. So there are a lot of people who are out of work in the restaurant and the hospitality industry. Restaurants have figured out how to automate things. So some of those jobs might not come back. So I think we're going to see a lot of people now pushing towards going to where where the jobs are. And, and the skilled trades pay pretty well. They, I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the salaries out there. They, they pay pretty well. They don't pay poorly. And in Absolutely. comparison... To the retail and the restaurants, they pay a lot, they pay better.
1: That and from, you know, I have, I'm, I'm in my early 30s and I still have a lot of friends who are in their 20s and 30s who work in retail or they are in restaurant industries or work themselves. And one thing that those industries don't really have that the skills do, the trade path is like health insurance and uh. a retirement plan. So it's not necessarily just the, the salary that you're bringing in could be better. But you, the chances are when you work for a company in the trades, you're going to have some kind of, you're going to have better benefits.
0: Good point. Very good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. And that, and especially in a pandemic, you want healthcare. So that,
1: Heck
0: yeah, yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> hey, we were uh, talking about welding. Uh, can you share with us, you, you obviously is something you enjoy doing. Can you share why you do it? What you like about it?
1: Sure. So the first time I ever welded, uh, well, first of all, I grew up around a couple of welders and mechanics. My dad and my uncles, were, my older cousins were always very handy and working on stuff. And I was always like the annoying little cousin who was wanting to know what was happening and thought, wow, that's cool. They're playing with fire. So when I was in 10th grade in high school, I took metal shop. I took all the shop classes in construction cool. management. So it's really no surprise where I'm at right now. But I absolutely fell in love with welding when I learned how to do it. And although I didn't pursue it right away, about eight years ago, I was designing this giant clock Mm -hmm. and it was made out of steel and I had a really hard time putting it together and I thought maybe I should outsource the welding. And I thought, what's wrong with me? I'm going to do it myself for a couple of reasons. One, I liked doing it in, in high school. And number two, being a woman and trying to reach out to a shop to get some welding done, like I don't know if they're going to take advantage of me because they think I don't know what I'm talking about. And I just, I want to do the work myself. There's sure. there's some kind of pride in your work. And uh, so there were a couple of reasons why I decided to go back to school and I did it full time. And at the point when I enrolled in school, I was kind of thinking of having it as a backup. Sure. But then I got my job in construction and then I had welded for them a couple of times. It's kind of funny because I'm like the only nerd in the office who knows how to weld. Wow. So there have been a few times where our shop has either their flow and they don't come in on Fridays or they're all gone. And we have a rusher that has to go out and say, Hey, sorry, can you throw your helmet on and weld this stuff? It's got to go on a truck for tomorrow. And those are a really fun time, but it doesn't happen often.
0: Okay. That, that is a huge benefit. I mean, that's that, that they, they're aware of that skill set, and they allow you to feed that, they feed that passion sometimes. So that's really, that's, that's awesome. I like it. Definitely. Talk to me about, I know you're on social media. In fact, I think we connected through Instagram. Uh, do you have a sp- yep. favorite platform and why?
1: Oh, well, I guess Instagram is probably my favorite because it's the only one that I'm really active on. Sure. I am trying to get more into YouTube. I'm like terrible on camera. So I'm not an actor. But uh, I'm trying to get that off the ground, hopefully in early 2021. I've heard good things about it. I anticipate having good feedback from a potential channel here. But as of right now, I'd say Instagram. And it's definitely, it's probably a little bit more business for me, but I absolutely love it for the community. There are some really great welders out there, especially other women welders, um, because it's not always easy being a woman in this industry. I
0: know. And it's
1: really, really great to have a community to just, talk to and they, you know, they understand what you're going through. And it's, I love like when I open my Instagram and I see another woman, like just going to town, laying some beads and I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. I like, guess it, it makes me <laughs> excited. It just makes me want to get like out into my own shop. I yeah, love fun. seeing
0: that. You should start doing like, don't fear the video. Start with your phone, start practicing and just start doing short videos. The best way, the best way to learn it is just to try, you know, you've got to do it in order to improve and get better. So you're probably tougher on yourself Make I
1: good point.
0: You're probably a lot tougher on yourself. So I, I would just do it. You have nothing to lose. No judgment. All
1: uh, right. Well, thanks for the motivation.
0: You, I know you can do it. You, I'm listening to you speak. Your personality is one that I think you would be fine. That's just my first <laughs> thanks, impression. Please. You're welcome. You're welcome, Tori. Definitely. So talk to us. have been fortunate that you've been able to, you have a good job that you're doing, and you've been able to feed your passion. Do you have any advice for people who wonder if this is possible?
1: Sure. I guess to just always, 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 no matter what, stay open-minded and just true to yourself. I think sometimes people get, especially when you're younger, like when you're in high school and you think that you're going to be something, right? Like you're going to be a welder or you're going to be an architect. You're going to be a mechanical engineer. Sometimes I think that while it's exciting to have a future goal, you kind of get lost in one specific identity. And sometimes it can overshadow other parts of you, right? Like, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are like, I'm not creative. And then we sit down and we just get to sketching and talking or, you know, I do a paint and sip party with them or just something kind of casual. And it turns out that they really do have a creative bone but nobody ever fed it or they shut it out because they thought that they had to be something, something different. You know what I mean, like just don't discount yourself. If you don't have to go at it full time, but if you really enjoy oil painting, just do it on the side and just do it to your comfort level. I also, you can wear both hats.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I feel like with technology, we are now able, we have more flexibility in life. The traditional go into an office nine to five, is starting to fade away, even more so with the pandemic, which frees up people to be able to explore different things that they're interested in. And it enables them to, I guess you could say, moonlight. And I, I just really yeah. wanted to emphasize this because like I said, I see you doing this. I've seen your work on on Instagram. I saw that you you created this owl for a, it was for an elementary school, I believe. And yep. that was awesome. I, and This is something you're able to do and still have a job. So I just wanted to let people know, I just really wanted to emphasize what's possible that, you know, if you can do it, and I'm sure there are plenty of other people who are doing this, then it's possible. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you're probably a lot happier being able to do both, being able to have a good job and do something you're passionate about and you enjoy.
1: Absolutely. 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 Not every day is easy for any job, but sometimes in construction, it really it really wears on you. Like I said earlier, it's a it can it can be a very cutthroat industry sometimes. And at the end of the day, it's really nice to come home, take the heels off, take the blazer off, put my welding hood on, put my work boots on, and just come out to the garage and you blow off some steam, but also make something beautiful.
0: Yeah, and and it's a good way to relieve stress, and, and like I said, to do something. Something you really enjoy. Talk to me about the lessons you've learned working as a construction project manager, and what what can you share with others who are considering this profession.
1: Sure. So, something that I've learned as a construction PM is, I guess, you are your always your number one advocate. There have been times where things have been a little frustrating, or there's an opening for a promotion, and you just you have to you have to be self-motivated and you have to advocate for yourself and put yourself out there. And I've watched people who don't do it and how they are kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I've said it, it's uh, it's competitive. Definitely. So you have to be competitive and you have, you know, so put yourself first, be your own advocate. If you want that promotion, go in and talk to your boss about what the details are. Talk to them about how you think, you know, what you think you can bring to the company by filling that role have to go in there and be cocky about it, but definitely stand up straight and go in there and make your case.
0: Definitely. No, that makes sense. That's great. And
1: then on another level, my husband and I have we bought this like fixer upper house. It was built in 1840 nice. and house renovations are like never easy. So now I've like adapted our course of construction work <laughs> to home and it has made the project so much smoother, and we don't want to kill each other
0: anymore. <laughs> That's true. So you, so you are now managing that project. Yep, your skill set now yep. is is paying off in your personal life, and you guys are probably yeah. getting along a heck of a lot better during this project, because I can tell you I've had house renovations and it is very stressful.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. And just like any construction project that it's never on schedule, it's never on budget. Yes. So (laughs) to take those kind of things into consideration, the way the world actually works and be able to use those skills in my own life and uh, have it work for me has just been a really nice uh, return on my own investment,
0: if you will. Definitely. Definitely. So I want to make sure I just summarize this last point that you said about the lessons that I, I think are so important is that you do have to be your own advocate, as Tori said, because you're responsible for your success. And, and your opportunities, you have to be humble in terms of your approach, but yet confident. And yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to go in and ask. Nobody's going to come and hand it to you. So that's really great advice, Tori. Thank you for that. Tori, can you share how people can find you? And then we'll say goodbye.
1: Sure. Right now, like I said earlier, I don't have my YouTube up in running yet. But on Instagram, you can find me at Tori Does Fine Art. And Tori is P-O-R-I, Excellent. does fine art.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll make sure to have that in the episode notes and hopefully by the time this episode airs, you'll have that YouTube channel up so we can put that in the notes too.
1: All right. That's a good goal.
0: No pressure. Just, just asking. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, Tori, thank you so much for your time and you have a wonderful evening.
1: Thank you, Keith. You too. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on
0: Skill Stadium. I Well, a was, pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.